Matt Sherman here for my second time on Rugger Matrix USA. Thanks, Matt. Welcome back to the program, Rugger Matrix USA, episode 019, Super League. Yes, we're talking about a fantastic weekend of matches highlighted by the classic 27-27 all-draw between Life and Nyack. Bruce McLean with all the latest, Rugger Matrix USA. Hello and welcome to episode uh, 19 of Rugger Matrix USA. And boy, what a show we got this week. What an absolute epic clash, Super League clash involving my co-host. And we'll bring our guest in in a moment, Bruce McLean. You like putting on a show, don't, don't you? Well, what a game of the weekend with life. Yeah, it was a tremendous game, Bronk. It was as as good of a rugby game as you could hope to have. And I had a very busy day that day. It was it was ninety degrees in in New York City, and I had my daughter's communion at one o'clock. Kickoff was at three thirty, so right after communion, I buzzed down to greet the guys as they started their warm up. Then I had to have a communion party after the game right where I was at the New York Athletic Club. Then I had my 25th high school reunion that night, and it was the 25th anniversary of us winning the high school national championship in 1985, and our coaches had flown up. And uh, But let's get to the game at hand. That game was absolutely <laughs> so it was a big. it was a big day, Bruce, you say. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough day for me. It was definitely uh, definitely a lot going on. But it was it was a great game of rugby and and you know how they say ties like kissing your sister, but in this case we got the number one seed, so it was like kissing my sister if she was Jessica Simpson and she was my stepsister. So, uh, oh, Bruce, before so, you get before you go through that in detail, let just go through the results and the ramifications and what we now have in the playoffs. And uh, before you go any further, hey Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again, Drew. Well, we'll ask for your comments too, because uh, as a representative from uh, Rugby USA, you must be pretty excited. But Bruce, let's go through it. And what are now the ramifications? Well, the ramifications were with the tie and the bonus point. Both of us got the bonus point that since we had a one-point lead, that our our one-point lead when when life didn't get the bonus point against Boston Irish really came back to bite them, and and we were able to grab a one seed in a 27-27 tie. The other games that had ramifications in the Eastern Conference were the Old Blue and Charlotte game, and Old Blue really wiped the forward on 43-7, and Boston wiped the forward pack 50-15. to And over in the Western Conference, the only game that really meant anything was the Denver Barbarians-Puget Sound game, which came down to a penalty kick at the end where Denver beat Puget Sound at Puget Sound 27-24, and therefore secured the two-seed. And... As I said to Scott Lawrence as he was leaving the field, I said, you know, it was a great game, great tie, but I'll tell you, that was a $15,000 tie because they're going to have to, you know, possibly fly and I think almost definitely fly in the uh, in the semifinal to play uh, Golden Gate. And the same thing with Puget Sound in Denver. Denver hitting that kick and, and, and garnering the win there gave them – that was a $15,000 game for them as well because Puget Sound has to come – and play the New York Athletic Club. So how the playoffs are going to fold out, it's going to be Old Blue against Golden Gate, and that's uh, Paul Keeler's old team. They're, his former team is Old Blue. So he's going to want to get a big win there. Then it's going to be Denver against Boston, and that's a game that really can go either way. 
Then it's going to be uh, Chicago Griffins against Life. And I think Chicago has they, – they have some weapons and they have some things. I just don't see them being able to beat Life. Life is an excellent team, and I, I think beating them in Atlanta is going to be a tall order. They will have had a week off this week, and then they will have had uh, – they'll have another week off. So they'll, they'll, they'll be three weeks. They won't have played really rugby since – April 24th when they go down that actually they got forfeited on April 24th they won't have played since April 17th so it's going to be a real tall order for them to go down and play that game against life and to be in in enough form to win what they probably won't have is any niggling injuries but it's a long time not to play rugby for almost three or four weeks and expect to perform and then our game will be against will be against uh, Puget Sound and they by all accounts are an extremely explosive team with some tremendous wingers, tremendous fullback, and they have Kevin Swearen. I don't know if Kevin's going to have to go play. If he's going to be pulled out because of the USA 7s, can ask Matt about that later. But let's get to the game at hand, Juro. It was, it was really it was a very, very well-played game. And both teams came and, and really was smacking the snot out of each other. The one thing about life that's different from the AC and what and one of the things we were concerned about is that life is a, life would have is able to kill us and meaning that they would be they have the firepower to put the kind of points on the board that could have really blown us away whereas we don't have that kind of firepower we're a team that plays with sustained pressure sustained pressure sustained pressure and then we crack in we score our points so i there was eight eight lead changes in the game and uh we scored on a pushover try on life's ball. I don't think that's ever happened to them ever. And and we had we had a lot of people step up and play huge games and, and as did they. They have a they have a guy named Ben Jones who plays scrum half for them who played England Sevens for two years or three years and was a fixture on their sevens team. He played for Northampton, he played for Worcester, played England under eighteens and he was uh he was the young player of the year for Northampton Saints. The guys the guy's the real McCoy. He, he's he's the real deal. Uh, Pat Danahy lost all his baby fat. Scott Scott Lawrence lost 28 pounds. And these guys are fit. They're hard. They're nasty. Mark Ayler, who guys have killed in blogs over the past several years for not being a tough guy. Well, I'll tell you, this guy laid four or five big crunching hits on our players. He almost put Jake Sprague in the cemetery. You know, the, they say he hit him to put him in the hospital. He hit him to put him in the cemetery. And, and when he got up, I thought we had to bury him out of the ground. But uh, it was it was pretty pretty amazing stuff. And the life line out is is outstanding. And the AC scrum was outstanding. And it was just that's essentially what happened. It, it turned into a stalemate. They had a great line out. We had a great scrum. And 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 then that's the game kind of ended. It ended kind of funny. And and I'll ask you guys what you think. We, it was a 27-27 tie, and we had a kick 25 yards out about on the crisscross of the 15. And the choice was go for the line out and try to win the game on, on a try, which we could have done. They, we, had, we, had, we, had, we had mauled them into the try zone, and, and we, had gotten tackled at, we, had tackled, we had gotten tackled the mall at the one-yard line, and that happened twice. So our mall was pretty effective off the line out. And the ref said we had time for the lineout. The second choice was to go for goal and try to win the game. And the ref said that if you go for goal, game's over. 
So having secured what we knew was first place, we chose to go for goal and we told our kicker, try to make it, but whatever you do, kick it in the parking lot. It doesn't matter if it goes through. It just matters if they can't play it. And that's what we did. He kicked the snot out of it and missed it. And and it was a tie game. But it was a great game. And 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 and, and the score should have been a tie. When that happened, uh, obviously, uh, what was the when was the instruction sent forth? Were the players able to make that decision on their own? No, they have. Uh, they have uh, two raging lunatics standing about four feet from them. <laughs> we, we, we were physically on the field with, with the tee telling them what to do. Because sometimes the players go, what's the score? <laughs> yeah, no, well, we have a scoreboard. So they, they, uh, <laughs> Even with the scoreboard, mate, if you, sometimes blokes aren't, uh, have got, are so entrenched in the game that, uh, uh, that those things uh, matter. But you, you obviously were, right, you were pulling the strings right up to the last second then, Bruce. Every guy in that field knew the score. <laughs> One of the guy in that field that didn't know the score. That was a fifteen thousand dollar game. They knew the score. <laughs> no, don't worry, mate. I know plenty of blokes who, uh, for one reason or another, walk off and two hours later still don't know what happened in the game. So it was it was good to see. Uh, in the end, you had to play that. I mean, there were bigger things at stake. And if just imagine, Bruce, if you went for the line out and they scored and the you know the length of the field try. Gee, you would have been—you would have been having a an ordinary night. It would have been depressing. Mm. It would have been depressing. What do you think, Matt? What about that for a finish? Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer on the call. You know, I'd be jumping up and down, screaming on the sidelines too. I think you uh, you, you take the tie as a victory because, like you said, it's a fifteen thousand uh, dollar tie. So, um, yeah, I would uh, would have done the same in a heartbeat. <laughs> and, and and the interesting thing is though is that life actually has probably a better chance as I was speaking to Keeler today and he said that's the outcome I didn't want because our guys all work and our guys all have jobs and you know go, flying to a semifinal in San Francisco would have been a pain in the neck for our guys whereas life is really filled with students mm. and and those guys are in school they'll be out of school at that point they'll really be focused heavily on rugby and not that they aren't focused heavily on rugby anyway that this is that that's gonna that'll change because life going out there for a semifinal focused on rugby they that's what they do they are rugby guys they're rugby players mm. so they can go out there with a bit probably a bit more uh, swagger in their step and and try to make things happen life is an is an awesome team and if Keeler's team San Francisco is going to win the national championship my gut feeling is that they're going to have to go through them. And if they're not going to win it and life ruins the party, hopefully we're there to, uh, to have a rematch of this game in the final and play, the, and play it and find out who is, who is actually better. Matt, uh, from your point of view um, and from American Rugby's point of view, this is shaping as a, as a cracking uh, semifinal playoff series. Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, you know, Bruce, Bruce put in his predictions on the quarterfinals, and I think you know, those are fairly safe, but you never know, you know. I mean uh, – you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. But, yeah, I think, it, you know, everyone would predict that uh, life will probably go out and play a Golden Gate in that semifinal. And I actually talked to Scott Lawrence today, uh, who's with life and also our high school American coach. And, um, you know, he brought up that, you know, 
in all probability, the uh, winning a championship is going to have to go through uh, Golden Gate and, and traveling to Treasure Island. So why not do it in the semifinals anyways? Um, so, you know, they're uh, they're excited about that challenge, but I'm sure like all teams, it's one game at a time, you know. Well, I, I think that I think that in, in this situation, all of us have to take it one game at a time. I think that um, Golden Gate may have enough may have enough firepower probably to to overcome Old Blue because Old Blue has a really real bad Achilles heel in their scrum. But uh, they do have a good team, but if, if they just can't really get a platform off their scrum, and and, and they're going to struggle to score a lot of points there. The Dallas Denver game is the one that I really don't. I really don't know what the outcome will be. I mean, Dallas Denver, the Boston Denver game, because Boston is a pretty tough team. They're pretty scrappy. They like to kick. Denver's at altitude, so the ball's going to fly. They chase the snot out of it. They do a good job with it, and you know they sit and they play and they and they and they prey on your mistakes. And if Denver wants to start running the ball out of their own end. They could get themselves into a little bit of trouble. On the flip side, if the altitude takes takes hold on Boston and Boston isn't fit enough to play that game all game long, they they could they could let it slip away at the end. So that's going to be an interesting game, and I think that the Puget Sound AC game is going to be interesting because they have a lot of firepower, and that's and that's a thing that. That's the thing that not a lot of teams in the East Coast really have outside of life. And 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 having a team that is dangerous and can score at any point, that's going to be tough for us. And, Matt, do you know if uh, – are the sevens players going to be available for the quarterfinals? Um, if selected uh, for tour, I, I believe they'll be on their way out of the country by that weekend. That's there my understanding go. as of now. Matt, what's your, what's your opinion? 2010 compared to 20 – uh, 2009 competition Super League quality improvement. Yeah, definitely. I think I think uh, you know it's great to see new teams rising to the top as well, like uh, Old Puget Sound being able to challenge some of the stalwarts that have been around uh, at, the, at the top of the table for a few years now. And I think uh, that's really great to see that that other programs are uh, are, are rising to the occasion. Bronk, I I think that. 2009, 2010 are similar in in their in their talent levels, and the same as 2008. I uh, I do think that life is better than they were last year, and I do think that the AC is better than they were last year. I don't think we're a lot better, but we're we actually no, we we are significantly better. We're more of a team. But both of our teams are more of a team, and I think we have we have more cohesion. And I think that San Francisco. From Keeler's accounts, probably is better than they were last year. All right, then. So, given the games we played, how much did the uh, new law interpretations of the breakdown, uh, first to you, Matt, change maybe some of the team's uh, performances this year? Uh, I, well, I think you know, I think the the confusion matters has been. Uh, has been getting better. People have a better understanding about what's trying to happen. And with that, I think penalties have dropped, so there's been more attractive rugby. But I think it's still a work in progress, to be honest. But you, do, you haven't seen a team that's particularly um, blossomed as a result? No, I don't think it's favored or hurt one team more than another. Bruce? It's changed our approach to the game. We have We have historically been a team that 
we want to play in your end, and when points are on offer, we're going to take them. That meaning, meaning that we're either going to kick our goal or if you give us a chance on a first phase ball, twenty five to within the kicking area, within an area where we feel we could kick a goal, we want to come away with something. We want to come away with seven or five or, or three, but we're going to come away with something, and that's how we we really play our game and we structure our game on. When we're in trouble, get out of trouble. When we're in your end, come away with points. And when we're in the middle, find a way to get a first-phase opportunity in the opposition end. And that's how we always played. And with the new law interpretations, we have decided to play a lot more rugby from our own half because we, we can go through phases and comfortably know that they're going to have the players who are going to have to roll away so you're not going to get these silly penalties when guys are flopping all over the ball. So it, it's changed our approach to rugby. I think it's changed Life College's approach to rugby as well. I think they play a lot more rugby from their own end. And San Francisco, they never really kick anyway. So, but yeah, it's definitely changed our approach to rugby. But on the flip side, it is, it's difficult to deal with teams that kick and chase if your counterattack isn't spot on. You got to have a good counterattack. You got to catch your kicks in the air and you got to do something with them. And fortunately, when we played life, we were able to do that. And unfortunately, when we played life, so were they. So, uh, and that's that, but that's, I, I think that the law interpretations have expanded our play because we have had no choice in order to compete. That's how we had to play. And, and we scored four tries in every game, at least. We scored more than four in every game, except. Uh, the game against life, we only scored four. All right, so what about from an Eagles point of view, from a national point of view, how is this competition shaped and what sort of impact will it have on the Eagles? Matt? Uh, It'll have a big impact on the Eagles. You know, if you look at uh, just this camp coming up next weekend, um, uh, significant proportion, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but... A large contingent is from uh, the Super League game, particularly some of the uh, standout clubs, um, as you'd expect. You know, uh, Golden Gate and Life and and Nyack uh, having a few representatives each. So, um, you know, the, the Super League will definitely have an impact on the uh, on the Eagle camp coming up. All right. So, Bruce, a um, couple of other issues to talk about. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about the Super League and where we're at at the moment? Yeah, I mean, there has been some. There's been some talk about town that the Super League's going to end, or the Super League's on its last legs. Or the fact of the matter is, the Super League is not on its last legs. The Super League is fine. There, there may be changes, and and there have been. You know, there's clubs that are struggling, and just as clubs are struggling, so are individuals, so are families, so are businesses, and and those things happen. Now, when you look at it. A lot of the clubs that are struggling made investments in coaches and players and, and things that really didn't pan out and necessarily weren't smart investments. So people get tired of giving guys money or, and, and not getting anything in return and, and not really feeling like they're part of a club. So those clubs either have to figure out a way to say, hey, we're going to deal with getting homegrown talent. We're going to develop high school kids. We're going to develop younger kids. We're going to develop a college team. We're going to get a feeder system into our program. That's the only way to survive. So, And if the Super League contracts, then that's fine. If the Super League winds up being 12 teams, if it, if it expands and, and 
quality teams like Belmont Shore come back or Santa Monica or O Club or or Glendale, they come in. That's fine too. We can expand. We can contract. The 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 facilities are better. I mean, from when I started coaching in this league nine years ago, the facilities that we play at are significantly better. Teams have made tremendous tremendous investments in their facilities, like Old Blue, New York Athletic Club, San Francisco Golden Gate. <clears throat> These teams have made <clears throat> big 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 commitments to their facilities and and having having a quality place to play. And you just say, you know, everything anybody can look at it and say, well, this team's struggling. You know, like when the Detroit Lions were 0-16, nobody was saying they were leaving the NFL. You know, or, or a team is struggling in the SEC, nobody's saying that they're leaving the Southeast Conference. These things happen. Things go in cycles. They always have. Teams have been great and teams have left. Teams have folded. The Old Blues were one of the greatest clubs in the history of American rugby. They don't exist anymore. So you just have to – but their footprint is still on American rugby. If you look at the Cal program, the St. Mary's program, the Olympic Club program, there's, there's a lot of places where that footprint is still there. So I'm just saying that the Super League is healthy, and whatever size it's going to be, it's going to be. And the naysayers are going to say, well, there's too many games, there's too few games, there's too many teams, there's too few teams – it doesn't matter. So if we have 10 teams, then we're failed because we used to have 16. And if we have 16 teams, we have too many. That's too many. It dilutes the talent pool in America. Whatever the amount of teams are will be the amount of teams, and the teams will play. And trust me, the level of play in the Super League is pretty good. There are some teams that are not that good, but they will come around. They have been good in the past and are just going through a difficult period. And that happens to everyone. Our first two seasons in the Super League, we were 2-11. and 11. You know, we, we couldn't buy a win. We would figure out ways to lose. We had a guy our first season who was a goal kicker for Ulster and was playing scrum half for us. We're one and six or one and five, whatever it was. And this kid didn't tell us he kicked goals and he was watching us go through games losing by three, five, six points. And we're shanking kicks left, right, and center. And at the end of the season, I said, oh, yeah, I kicked goals. And I'm like, well, thanks for telling us. She's figure we're, you're going to watch this guy. He goes, well, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. You know, those stupid things happen. That's a, you know, probably crappy coaching on our part to not, to not find that out. But the fact is these things happen and, and teams do win and lose games and there are close games. You take a look and, but for a few bounces of the ball, other teams could have been in the playoffs or other teams could have been, had home field advantage in a quarterfinal, which gets you to a semi pretty much. And that's, that's, those are, those are pretty, Pretty important thing. So I think that these teams will be fine, and some of the teams that financially make a decision that they don't want to be here anymore, that's fine too, and that's their prerogative, and that's their right. But all the teams have been good member clubs, and I, and I just got to say that, you know, I, it get, I get tired of listening to speculators with unsigned names, or you know, even even people just saying, "Hey, it's this is done, it's dead, this could be the last year." That's just not true. And, and, and Maddie, I don't know what, you know, obviously I know that you're involved in the college game, but are you hearing anything stating from teams or numerous amounts of teams that this is done and they're over with and, and they're not, there's not going to be any other Super League? No, I haven't heard anything directly, but, you know, I've definitely, uh, you know, as a guy who's not, you know, involved directly coaching or administrating the Super League, um, you know, I think you hit it spot on by saying that, you know, Times are tough in every area of life, whether it's a rugby club or a family or a job. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like the old saying that the only constant is change. Things are going to change. And I think what's important to remember is that no matter what happens, you know, 
there's, you know, clubs in this country are trying to find the highest level of play, improve rugby in the country, um, identify talent, develop talent, um, improve their club, add to the, uh, uh, you know, the players' lively, you know, lives on a, on a social scale and athletic scale. And that's, you know, that's a good thing that clubs are going after that. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, I'm not directly involved, but I, I think it's admirable that uh, teams are trying to, to take things forward. And I think that will uh, – That'll evolve, but that will guide us, that, that people are trying to do things the right way. Well, Bronk, that wasn't the only big thing that was happening in rugby this weekend. Mm. I just wasn't able to get to the other thing that was happening, but Matt was there. Maddie, could you talk us through that college national championship? And I heard it was, it was a very, very hotly contested game with uh, a couple tries off of an interesting move that is not seen that often in rugby anymore. And Cal Berkeley beat BYU in a national championship. Oh, my ability to pick games is dreadful, by the way. I, had, I sent in a sheet for the Sweet 16 into the, into the final game. I mean, I did have the winner right, but I don't think I had anything else right. My God, I can't pick, I can't pick to save my life. <laughs> And even in the final four, I couldn't even pick the final four right. <laughs> I picked Army to beat BYU. So, but Matty, if you could talk us through that weekend, you were out there, so you saw the whole weekend. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a great weekend. Um, you know, spectacular venue, uh, spectacular crowd. Um, you know, I, it was reported that there were over four thousand people um, at the men's final on Saturday night, and I think that uh, was an underestimate. It was packed inside and people outside on the hill trying to get a glimpse under the lights and it was really a great event and uh you know I've been I've been uh, involved with the collegiate national championships as a coach and a player for a long time and I think this was one of the uh uh better uh championships on multiple levels with the crowd and the venue but also just the uh the level of play on the field um I can't remember you know, a championship college championship game played with as much passion. And sometimes it wasn't the most precise game, I think. Uh, but that was, had a lot to do with how uh, high the intensity level was. And, um, and it was two heavyweights, like you talked about, you know, uh, Nyack and life, um, the same thing here with BYU and Cal. And I think you, you knew it was going to be like that after, you know, BYU had finally gotten their uh, first championship last year and, and Cal was going to be hungry and, you know, it was back and forth. And like you said, Cal scored two tries, which, you know, a pretty interesting way um, uh, to, to get your two tries. But two tries off of a front peel, uh, which you don't see that often. And uh, But, I mean, multiple times, both sides back, you know, back and forth down in the other uh, team's 22. And then, you know, just, uh, you know, inspiring defensive stands where it would be, you know, take a big hit or 10 phases of continually getting off the ground and organizing defensively. And, and both sides are really playing with their hearts on their sleeves. And I think uh, everyone in attendance really appreciated that. Yeah, it was, it was some great stuff. And, and actually that game is still up on Ustream. If you want to, if you want to check it out, it's probably worth a look to see, especially if you're a college coach or a high school coach to see what, you can be if you put your time and effort into it and, 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 and see what the pinnacle of collegiate rugby is in America. Now, that being said, there's a little bit of criticism levied at the, uh, at the Eagle staff and the, and the national staff for, for not scouting these college games. And I just wanted you to, 
talk us through exactly what scouting procedures were in place during the season, through the Sweet 16, through the Elite Eight, through the Big Four, and through the championship match so that perhaps our listeners can get a feel for the fact that it, it is not as, as haphazard as, as, as possibly can be reported. Sure. Well, you know, we, we recently came out with, uh, you know, a press release on, on what uh, the programs are for our junior national teams uh, within the All-American program this summer, and including that was kind of the pathways uh, to make that t- you know, those teams. And obviously we have um, all-star events um, for the U-20s. We have U-19 regional tournaments. And for the All-Americans, we have the collegiate um national all-star championships which are great events you know that have found numerous players um you know out of obscurity and that's fantastic but um also you know it's very important that we're looking at players throughout the regular season um you know at championship events and other events and and so you know having a presence at the final four and the sweet 16 is important and you know our process with the two teams that fit into college rugby are, are the U20s, where there's you know many freshmen and a few sophomores are age eligible, and then obviously the collegiate All Americans. Um, so with the All Americans, you know we have throughout the season we have a selector in each territory, um, as well as a territorial coach who, who they're all college coaches um, looking for players um, throughout league games and then as well as playoffs. We had numerous numerous uh, TU coaches and selectors at both the uh, Santa Barbara and Atlanta events, and we actually um, throughout the collegiate season we have a watch list um, that that we add and edit throughout the uh, season and, and work with those TU selectors um, so that they can uh, take a look at guys in their in their sort of area of expertise. Um, so you know it was great. You know actually you know we got feedback from uh, Alex Magleby, uh, the All American coach who was in Atlanta about um, certain players, college players who. Uh, We'll be coming into the Eagle Camp uh, this next weekend, which is exciting. You know, now that we've now that we've finished the college season, we'll have the opportunity to uh, get some get some uh, uh, former All Americans involved with uh, the Eagle Camp. So there, there's lots going on during the regular season, um, but it's also not done now. Now we'll go to the ITTs and and we'll get to see a lot of uh, these All Star players play and represent their territory. Um, and uh, hopefully, we'll see a lot of the guys who are already on our list uh, compete. And hopefully we'll uh, see some new guys that we didn't know about who uh, will co- come uh, come out and put in a really good performance. So, um, yeah, that's what's going on. Bruce, was, uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Bruce, I was just going to say um, we're pretty keen to, to see uh, in detail what's uh, what's ahead in the in the Eagle Camp and what we can expect in, in more detail. Um, well, you know. A lot of the Eagle Camp, you know, it'll be quick. We're we're in there for a weekend, so you know, we really have uh, four good hard sessions, um, and a lot of it will be on kind of simple uh, system implementation. We, we obviously don't have the time to go too in depth, but kind of to get a foundation for our terminology and systematically what we want to do in defense and attack and around contact. Um, so, so we'll put some work in, um, on that. And within that, you know, that'll give the guys, uh, the opportunity to show their skill level, to compete a little bit. Um, so we can look at guys from a selection standpoint as well, uh, going into the Churchill cup. How many players are you taking at a Churchill cup? Um, right now, um, 
it's 28. We're hoping to bring 30, but uh, as of now, we're getting limited to 28. Is when when you look at the Churchill Cup outside of the, what professional players do you have from overseas that are kind of shoeing locks to be on the to be on the Eagle side? And are any of the professional guys going to be out of commission early on in the Churchill Cup? Um. Well, with the Churchill Cup, we have uh, Todd Clever's recently been injured, and we're still getting some clarification on. Uh, the ramifications of that, uh, and Hayden Smith has suffered a, a, an injury as well. Um, you know, there's lots of guys right now playing overseas, and I don't want to say anyone's a shoe until they're selected. I don't want to be the jinx there, but uh, you know, obviously you've got uh, uh, Mate and John Vandergeesen uh, playing together in France. Max doing really well out in Leeds, and, and Paul's down in Italy. Obviously, Taku's just advanced to the Heineken Cup Finals. What a uh, what a great chance for him to play in that event, and uh, you know, so there's lots of guys over there, per, uh, you know, pursuing their rugby. But I don't want to, uh, you know, a team hasn't been named yet, so I can't say anybody really. We have to uh, get through this first domestic camp, and then we'll uh, we'll name that team, or Eddie will name the team. What is uh, what college players did you invite in, and and were were there any college players in consideration for the Easter camp that maybe were uh, we're not able to go. Uh, yeah, there were a number of college guys that were unable to go, um, which is understandable. You know, during their season, um, they're focusing on that. Um, and th- th- there's a couple guys um, coming in just off the top of my head here. Um, Threaten Palamo, obviously a previously capped Eagle player. A um, couple guys from Cal Berkeley. There's Keegan Engelbrecht, the fly half, and uh, Colin Hawley. Uh, the outside center. Um, I know I'm missing one or two other guys, but uh, Ross Silverman is a, uh, a former All-American. He's been coming back from injury from UC Santa Barbara. Um, big square prop. He's been working hard on the uh, knee surgery rehab, and he's back to fitness, and he's going to come down. So uh, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, exciting young players coming in who, who did really well, uh, not only with their last All-American experience, but throughout this uh, collegiate season. Yes, I just wanted you know, and, and and I think that's good, and I think it's excellent that we're having college players, Division One players, Super League players, and and I just wanted to, I just wanted to get a clarification that you know that, that that there was scouting at the at the national tournament. I, I believe Nigel Melville was there. He is the director of rugby. I believe Al Caravelli was there. I believe Dan Payne was there. I believe yourself was there. Um, I I I think that. Mags and Kimball were there, and so I think that there was coverage, and there has been coverage. And is a database? Can you tell us about the database that you have that you've been you've been working on, and that you monitor, and that you how how you came up with your database, and how you eliminate and add to the database, and and how you really track these college players that it it, it isn't as haphazard as possibly uh, is is thought to be. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I mean, it's a continual work in progress and by no means are we anywhere near perfect, but, uh, you know, each right now we operate, um, you know, three junior national teams with the high school all Americans and the U twenties and the college all Americans. And, um, each team has their collective pool of players, but you know, it's it, like, uh, like any youth team that transitions every year because you graduate players on. And, um, and so, you know, through these uh, player pools, we also pass along players. And the staffs will tier those players based on, um, 
their assessment of how they did. Um, and so we'll pass on that information and then we'll also graduate certain players out of pools when they, when they leave that uh, age range. Um, so we're continually monitoring that through the year. Um, you know, who, who's on the list, who performed well at the last camp, if we've gotten feedback from their coach or if we've seen them in a performance, how they're doing. Um, and then that goes into uh, that factors into selection for the next, uh, you know, national team camp. Okay, excellent. Uh, Bronk. Yeah, we're going to uh, wind things up. But you just mentioned the Heineken Cup. It is just, uh, Matt, incredible to have any player or, 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 or anyone of, at all involved in the coaching realm in that type of competition because of just how tough it is. So anyone who comes back with that experience is fantastic. And uh, I guess if we went a few weeks ago, you wouldn't have thought they necessarily would have uh, ended up like this. But the two French teams, Toulouse and Biritz, are into the final. I would have. Oh, no, no. Who, who, mate, we don't care what you think because you, you just told us that you're hopeless with predictions. So let Matt answer the I know, question. I know, but I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't have thought that the French teams would be in the finals? What do you mean? I mean, the Irish were going well as well. I said a few weeks ago, not now. It's all right to say, yeah. it's all right to say after they were in the semifinals that they're going to be in. Yeah, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have guessed a few days ago that the Irish teams would have gone through just because historically they've been pretty consistent at at doing well at that competition. Especially but, uh, Matt, the tight games. I mean, the, those Munster and in particular Leinster, they have got an amazing knack of winning those unwinnable games that are very tight. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. But at the same time, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty excited, like you said, that you know. One of our guys gets to yeah. uh, experience the Heineken Cup final. I think, if my memory is correct, I think uh, Dan Lyle played in the Heineken Cup final, but I don't. I I I, I would doubt that there's uh, been one since then. Um, Dan Dan Lyle definitely won a Heineken Cup final with Beth. Um, that's right. Yeah. And and, but I will. I I mean, Johnny Sexton's been hurt. The 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 scrum of Monster really lets them down. And and the scrum of Leinster really lets them down. I, I would have, I honestly, I would have thought that if if I were if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would have, uh, I definitely would have would have picked Barretts and 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 um, I would have picked Barretts and Toulouse to win, and especially since they were home, I and mean, the French teams at home are a different egg than the French teams on the road, and you know, that, I mean, that's a that's a big factor if they were playing in Tolman Park. Or they were playing at uh, at the RDS, possibly a little bit different. But when they're at home, they're a different egg. That's a great. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, yeah, I yeah, think that's a great. I think that's a great point, Bruce. And actually, uh, a friend of mine was sharing a story about. He read a book about uh, French sport, and uh, it talks about old kind of uh, uh, tribal regional warfare within France, and then kind of the sport. Uh, kind of morphed out of that, these sporting games between villages, and there's just so much pride that comes at stake with uh, playing at home and not losing, and probably more in, in France than anywhere else are are, are uh, home and away records uh, so different because you really, you know, you, you have to win at home almost. It's it's imperative. And um, so that's a good point to factor into those semifinals, I think. And don't forget the uh, Biarritz experience is pretty unique because you're, you're actually venturing into Spain, so that whole Basque right. territory is, is unique in, in the French game as well. So 
Uh, and 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 uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Bruce, but playing fly half for uh, Biritz is, is Carmichael Hunt, who is a uh, rugby league player who is doing a uh, sojourn in France on the way to playing Australian football. And if you don't know what that is, that's basically Gaelic football. And uh, he's on a mega contract. So this guy is going to play in three professional codes in the space of about, you know, well, 18 months. Pretty amazing effort. And he could end up winning a Heineken Cup on the way to Australian football. I I heard that that they are going to offer him an enormous amount of money to perhaps not leave the shores of France. (laughs) They want to keep him. I think they want to keep that's 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 the report mm. on uh on him and and that they are going to offer him an enormous amount of money to stay. I mean aside and from I and yeah. I don't know how much money there is in Aussie rules but well it's pretty big. It's one of the biggest in the world. It's a huge market uh Aussie rules. In fact, uh it almost it dwarfs rugby league and and some of the rugby union contracts, but it is a big it's a funny. It's a tournament that's played basically in the southern half of Australia. But mate, it is fanatical, and it draws uh, it draws big money. It's incredible how well it goes. However, don't forget the point I was trying to make. This guy is playing three dif- different disciplines at the highest level. Just an amazing feat by any athlete. Jeez, he might even make the cricket team. <laughs> well, Ireland's playing in the twenty twenty World Cup, and so anything's possible. <laughs> um. Hey, Bronk, you know what else I did this weekend? Oh, okay. What's that? You didn't stop on the fr- ice cream truck again? On yeah. Friday? No, yeah, I didn't stop. I, I <laughs> wish I stopped an ice cream. You know what? I went on the fat kid diet, so I got Oh, yeah, how's that going? Yeah. It was good until Saturday. I kind of... <laughs> wait, wait. I was, oh. You, you, st- I was you started a diet I for the weekend and you quit on Saturday? Oh, dear. That I, long? I, you know... <laughs> hey, you know what? No, I got back on it. I, um... I you know I had I had my sojourn off it I my my kid had all these white chocolate things that were in like little communion girl and I was just I mean I they're just sitting at the table and nobody's eating them and I'm I'm gobbling them down like a like a like an animal <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, that was I, and other than that I was all right so what so, so tell I'm, me I'm still I'm still down about, I I was coaching the female eagles ah their, yes uh, yes yes I was coaching the women's eagles at there they had a uh, a pack clinic. They had a clinic for their for their pack players and their halfbacks in New Jersey, and it was it was really it was actually it was a lot of fun. I had a great time doing it. And these girls are first off, they're very good athletes. Second off, they're extremely well coached. I, I, they went down and they had asked me to work on some scrummaging with them, and you know I, I went in and I had seen I had seen them play. I, I watched them on UStream and. And I had also gotten a couple DVDs from one of the girls on the team, and and I had seen their Canada game and 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 their Canada series. And I'll tell you, I was looking at the stuff, and it was and it was great. And I was looking, and I went with my expectations in hand. And when I got there, I guess these girls had really made a pact with each other that they were going to get in shape, and they got themselves in shape. They had transformed their physiques a bit, and. That when they got when I when I showed up, they were very comfortable scrummaging with their shins two or three inches off the ground. They were very comfortable being low. They were very comfortable being. They were very hard. They were. They had a, a an excellent setup. They had an excellent profile coming in, 
and and I was like, wow, this is it really exceeded my expectations from the, the when I got when I got there. So what we worked on, this is interesting. It's it's something that I that I'm that I'm very big on when it comes to scrummaging, is that there's a gap between each player, you know, it, and, and if you put your head in that gap and you have your nose in that gap, you could come in hard. If you line up head to head and you have to step into the left, especially a tight head prop, because the loose head prop is going to win that battle. If a tight head prop has to step into the left, what happens is you lose your right leg and you lose your ability to push off your right leg and you could get popped. You could get driven. You can get lifted. You get anything can happen to you. But if you, if you line up right in, you get yourself right in that gap and the hooker is right in that gap and the loose head is in that, it has a, has their head just slightly loose. You could come in a hundred miles an hour and feel like it's going to be safe. So that's what we worked a lot on. And I think that a lot of teams line up head to head and it becomes a problem. Even, even elite teams do it all the time. If you look at when beast, if you look at the first half, there's a YouTube video, of the first half scrums of the first test here, the first test of the lions and, and, and South Africa. And you'll see Phil Vickery getting annihilated by beast. The reason he gets annihilated is he lines up head to head, steps inside, and he just gets popped every single time because he has nothing on his right leg. He has no pressure coming from his right leg. And then you'll see he does like two or three scrums where he's effective, and that's when his head is in that gap. So the key to scrummaging safely is heads left. And you tell that to any young referee that if their heads are left, they can come in hard and it's not going to be a drama. And I'll tell you, after working with these girls, they were able to, not only to come in hard, they were able to use, they were able to maneuver and, and, and work on the hooker. Then they were able to maneuver and work on the tight head and, and do a two-on-one on the tight head, do a two-on-one on the hooker, and do everything in a legal, in a legal way. And when, when they were able to put that together and then add in their back rowers and, and, their, and their second rowers, these girls are very, very good. And they, they could be a force to be reckoned with in the World Cup. They, you know, it's going to be. They have a very difficult draw in that they're in the same pool as England, and in order for them to move out, they'll probably either have to double bonus on England or beat England. So it'll be very. It's an interesting time, but I'll tell you that they are they are definitely up to the challenge, and they're a wonderful group of people to work with, and they do have and and they work under severe stress. They don't have any money. They are not supported um, properly by the union in any way, shape, or form. And they're headed to the World Cup. And if anybody has any ability to donate to the, to the Women's Eagle program and help them out or you can get a sponsorship for them, they would greatly appreciate it because these girls are very dedicated to the game. They're very dedicated to the sport. Any, any preconceived notions that you might have about them are not true. They're very well coached. They're very well organized. And they, they were terrific. They were coachable. They were wonderful. They listened. Their comments and their questions were all very – they were very spot on. They understand. And so if you have anything you could do to help these people and to help these girls to, to achieve their goal 
of performing in the World Cup, it would be great if you could because they were they were a really good team to work with. It was a lot of fun. I tell you, it exceeded my expectations, but I also had a lot of fun doing it. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. So you've had a big week, Bruce. That's great. In fact, uh, if you could chase up uh, the primary point of contact, uh, we'll put that in the story posting. And if anyone wants to help out the American Eagles women's team, uh, then we'll certainly point him in the right direction. Uh, Matt Sherman, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for uh, sitting there and listening to Bruce at times. I know we have to prop some of our guests up, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, just on Bruce's comments, best of luck to the uh, women's Eagles team at the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much, Matt. Thank you for joining us. And Bruce, oh, you'll have to take it a bit easier this week. Uh, you've had a massive week. Uh, and, uh, well, good luck as we propel into the playoffs. Don't you worry about that, Bronk. <laughs> I, I like to take it easy. We took Monday off of practice. Oh. We already took it easy. Oh, okay. Now it's back that's to why the... I'm, that's why I'm here right now. Back to the grindstone. All right, then. That is Rugger Matrix USA, episode 19. 20 next week. We'll speak to you next week.